Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Croquis from Home. I'm your host, Brandon Shell, as always. And as it's become common in the last weeks, there is a special guest this week as well, Sharon. Uh, Sharon is an artist who facilitates online Zoom uh, croquis classes, similar to ours, but uh, with an actual model. And uh, we got her information from a previous guest. Sharon, you can find Sharon on uh, Instagram at uh, by typing in croquis corner. And uh, you want to look for a black uh, logo with a figure in the background and a paintbrush. Uh, so without further ado, uh, Sharon's going to join us for the first half of the class and give you some tips and advice for your uh, practice at home. Without further ado, let's turn it over to Sharon from Croquis Corner. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Croquis from Home. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Brandon Shell. We have another guest uh, with us on the phone, uh, all the way from Stockholm, uh, from Sweden, uh, from the Croquis Corner, or the Croquis Corner. You can find it on Instagram. And uh, Sharon is with us, and uh, usually I would interview her a bit, and then we would get into the poses. But uh, Sharon, you actually host a lot of life drawing uh, digitally, and uh, so now the, the students or the listeners are in their homes. They have uh, 10 minutes to prepare for what they're going to do, hopefully for the next hour. Uh, do you mind uh, maybe with my help giving them some tips? Absolutely. Yep. Mode. Um, what I like to do um, um, is find a spot that is well lit from one side mainly. Okay. Um, and you could either use, if it's day, you could use a lovely natural sunlight coming in or artificial lighting works fine also. So you can have it. Um, now, if you're the model, um, if it's like a self-portrait and you're the model, then let it um, hit you, but not. it shouldn't hurt your eyes. Um, and uh, play with it and see um, what kind of shadows... Um, you like from it and whatever works for you you can let let the yeah just pause and you know and, work from there and Sharon how are you about using props I know sometimes you do some themed uh, exercises um, props yeah um, yeah I, I, I do um, sometimes host them with props um, again it's up to the individual uh, if they want to I know I have artists who come in and they won't draw the prop. They're, they're only for the figure. Okay. So, yeah, if you're going to use a prop uh, based on a person's level, um, choose a prop that will not interfere with, um, like not take over the entire figure or the drawing of you um, or the model um, yeah something simple something light so that it's also easy to hold if you're holding it if you're seated on it or if it's laying down next to you that's fine but it shouldn't be heavy or uncomfortable for the model okay what uh, have you is there a specific prop you've used uh, recently that worked uh, quite well or specific theme that you've used recently that worked well Actually, um, we did recently um, use a stick. 
we were doing an old uh, renaissance theme uh, session and uh, it was just a random wooden stick and the model stood with it and sat with it like a and he like was a, mainly like like a uh, like a, um, a baton a tall a long ah, yeah. one okay so like a walking stick yeah. something like that yeah kind okay. yeah something yeah and did that give like interesting uh, shapes uh, more than normal or how did that work um it was actually um it was a good way to um in terms of like helping the the model um rest or for posture it helps with that um because we did a, a few um arched back poses yeah. um and you know if you just got to just arch your back it's going to be difficult but with the help of a prop like um like a stick or you know maybe maybe even a a chair you could lean your hand on or you know hold it it helps especially if you plan on doing a long pose yeah have you um did you draw this as well did did you draw in this session as well yeah yeah and yeah did you um i'm just curious for my own yeah. <laughs> i don't know for myself yeah. did you uh did did the was the person floating or did you also draw the stick I drew the stick okay. uh and um he also had like a stool to sit on at you know so it was a stick and a stool um so i i drew them both okay and um as yeah. far do you have any tips for the students as far as like uh setting up like their uh their workspace like where they where they're drawing from lots of space <laughs> <laughs> uh first you need um um light for me um as a, a creative and an artist myself you need a uh, good light not to hit you know to flood the entire room but the light should be like placed in a way where it falls softly on your work okay. so and there's no there's no shadow like there shouldn't be a shadow of you on your work personally i like to use uh, easel because it removes my body shadow falling onto my work um but everyone yeah works differently and what uh, what medium are you actually uh, using mostly? Uh currently I am exploring um watercolor, charcoal okay. and gouache. Ah yeah. gouache. Oh, oh my god, my nightmare. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I you... like it. <laughs> no, yeah. I like it too, but it is very uh, uh what do you call it? It's very uh tempered. It, it's like uh, it's got me, its own personality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And what uh so what is um all right, so guys we got uh, four minutes before we uh excuse me, three minutes before we start the first poses. Um so we're gonna do as always the we're gonna take the first ten minutes of this class and we're going to do five uh two minute poses and then we're gonna have a uh, a five minute break and uh and Sharon from Croquet Corner is gonna stay with us uh during that time. Um, yes, yeah, so Sharon, um, you were saying, well, can you explain, I tried to explain the difference. So you said watercolor, gouache, and charcoal. I think charcoal, yeah. people kind of have an idea of what that is. But can you explain the difference between, in your opinion, obviously, between watercolor yeah. and um, gouache? Gouache, okay. Um, watercolor um, is transparent. Yeah. You know, so you get a very um, soft um, feel with it. It's also how you use it. Um, but 
overall watercolor is you you probably need to use multiple layers um on your work gouache has always been a very forgiving medium in my mind because um <laughs> you can cover up um you know um like a few errors uh, that you've made with it uh, while watercolor once it's on your medium on your paper it's there yeah. it's really difficult to um yeah wash away a stroke how do you um, um how do you prevent your watercolor from running is there a specific type of paper that you use i yes uh, i tend to work with um high uh, high gsm paper or high gram paper so my watercolor paper is mainly um 200 to 300 grams onwards okay and so it's nice and thick paper that won't buckle with the the wetness of the water okay and um how do you do you build it up um from light to dark or what what uh, shades yeah. do you start with i tend to work with um an outline which is always the lightest um and i keep adding on um different tones shades mainly till i um till i can concentrate on the shadow areas of the figure or the drawing okay i i got a follow up yeah. question but i want to like not yeah. get cut off so we got thir- you guys got 30 seconds uh th- if you're the model um stretch out uh and take the first poses as kind of an exercise in um your 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 limits also if you're drawing the same thing so take the first gesture poses as an exercise and uh find the limits of your paper like literally the edges of the paper and if you're the model find the edges of what you're capable of and uh if you're going to try something crazy uh do it now <laughs> so that <laughs> that's uh so this is going to be the first two minute uh of the five two minute poses the first one and i'm going to keep talking to sharon uh so sharon like so all right so watercolor when you all right so when you build up from lightest to to darkest when you yeah. uh when you need to go darker are you allowed to typically isn't it that if you um use the same color and you put it back in the water then you end up doing the opposite you dilute that shade or how do you avoid doing something like that Or have I just been using watercolor the complete wrong way? Um no, um now there are two kinds of um um methods to uh working it. You could either work with a single palette that would be one color so you work with light and then um you're keeping the concentration of the water uh, of the color, you know? Yeah. And the darkest would be what you get out of your your tube. Okay. Okay? Uh no undiluted um while the um, the other way would be working with a spectrum of colors okay of watercolor so lighter shades so let's example would be um a a body okay so you would start with really light yellows okay yep. uh lemon yellows but again very diluted and then you're you're adding in a little ochre to it and then you're going with burnt sienna and then you play around with persian blue so that you're building up um the depth of the body you're building up the shadows of the body with color and when you switch to when you add that blue 
to the to the dark yellows is it starting to change green or is it staying blue or what you would add it mainly when you've played around with say a uh, burn sienna or you've added a little ochre so it doesn't it changes color but it changes color in a very natural way okay yeah there are also rules in watercolor that you can't use black and you can't use white but you oh. don't need to follow them <laughs> But how do you use white in watercolor? Is there a watercolor pigment that's white? I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is um, a watercolor pigment that's white. And uh, I know artists who use it for um, like really fine lines, you know, to like hair okay. or a cat's whiskers or, you know, things like that. Okay. Um, and then uh, do you, when you add, if you don't want the colors to mix, isn't it a good idea to let the uh, pigment dry first, or does that not matter? You can let okay. the pigment dry. Um, what I like to do is work it in two sections, so left and right. So okay. when the left is drying, I'm working on the right. By the time I finish with the right, then the, the left is dried. I can come back to it. So it's you just work it with the time that you have. Now, if you're doing something like quick gesture drawing like what you're doing right now i just allow the waters to just flow and merge with each other mm -hmm. do they help you find the the shadows in a way like if you can manipulate it uh what you can do is you can put in a more concentrated level of i would say uh watercolor you know in the place that would give you the shadow so imagine just under the arm okay. you know yeah so if you put a blob over there and then your the rest of the image is wet it will flow and lighten everywhere else but the concentration will be there okay and then um if that makes sense to yeah you. no i mean I, I i got it i think the uh, the listeners got it too because they're all like oh. super pro um <laughs> yeah, so cool. guys that was the second of the five poses you got three more to go and then we're going to take a break and sharon's going to stay with us so um before we get into how you got into um the croquis corner and what it is can we just switch to gouache quickly and and yeah, maybe absolutely. talk about how to use that uh okay um it's quite in many ways it is like watercolor it's a lovely creamy form. I love mixing it in my palette because it's really nice and creamy. Um, unlike watercolor, this is uh, not transparent. Okay, um, so you get um, you you would need to create transparency okay. with it if you want to work um, like watercolor. But it's very powdery, so I, I tend not to. Okay. Um, yeah, it's 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 good if you want to go if you want to do detailed work and do a lot of merging or i like to use it for an expressive abstract expressive kind of a style where you're kind of using it like oil or acrylic you're just allowing you know the paint and the strokes to form from the brush yeah so it's a very thick medium okay and then is it, um, but you don't use as much water. Are you mixing it with water while you're using it or are you just using the p pigment out of the tube? Or 
I personally like to use um, a little water because it can get a little dry. Okay. Uh, but not it's not like watercolor where it needs to be wet. No. It's just as you like it. Personally, I don't use a lot of water, just maybe a few drops um, to allow it to smoothly flow on the paper. Okay. Yeah. And how did you, how long have you been uh, drawing and illustrating and making art? Okay. So um, I studied art, uh, applied art, actually. It, it's known as graphic art in the West. Uh, in India, it was, it is known as applied art. I'm so I did applied art and then um, we learned the basic um, life drawing over there, but it was mostly focusing on advertising. So product drawings and still life and things like that. Um, so you would draw, then, wait, that was interesting. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you would draw for advertisements in, in the, in the academy or, um, no, we le we were learning. We were being trained to be either visualizers or graphic designers. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, back then, it was back in like 99, in like late 90s. So um, we were still, uh, a lot of Indian advertising was still being done by, um, you know, illustrators illustrators and visualizers by hand you know okay okay so yeah yeah um photoshop was introduced <laughs> and we were all learning it it was new yeah. but um we were still being trained uh, traditionally by hand so this was something that i loved doing when uh we had to do the switch to um photoshop it was lovely it was great I missed working with my fingers and my hands and with my with all my senses. Okay, and yeah. uh, just out of curiosity, don't answer. Wait, two, yeah. one. Okay, guys, this is going to be the last of the two-minute gesture drawings, and uh, Sharon's going to stay with us through the break because uh, now I'm going to go off on a tangent of questions. So, okay. <laughs> what? Um, so you're illustrating in the you're you're one of the last of a of a dying breed that took uh, formal <laughs> illustration at a university. What is the what is the process? Do you? I don't even know where to begin. We had a we had a we had a guest a couple weeks ago, Ann Marshall, and she is mm -hmm. trained in classic illustration, but she now only uses exclusively an iPad. I think uh, just mm -hmm. because it's easier. But what are the steps when you um? What were the steps when you were in class? Like, what would you do? Okay. So um, let's say it was like um. Would it be safe to say it was a beauty ad? What What would you draw in a beauty ad? What did you have to be good at? Firstly, um, you had to create the ad by yourself. Um, you know, so you had to come up with the concept for the beauty ad. Um, so it's a bunch of things that go in. We were basically trained to create, come up with the concepts or visualize, come up with the copy and eventually was to bring it all together and that would mean we had to paint what we created or visualized. So we uh, we did back then use a lot of references. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was something that, um, that would... I would say this is where a fine artist and an applied art artist differ. Okay. A fine artist would, 
probably create something by memory because of you know the practice of just exploring different themes um subjects uh with applied arts we didn't really get the opportunity to explore so whatever concepts we created um we would then find a reference and then Uh, what is uh, I'm gonna so quick I got another question so but yeah. uh, okay guys so this is your break uh, it's gonna be five minutes long so if you're the model this is the time to uh, maybe drink some tea and warm up uh, maybe put on a robe or whatever you do to get warm I know it's cold right now in uh, Denmark and in Copenhagen uh, so make yeah. sure you stay warm and uh, especially your feet if you want to you probably should uh, put something under your feet uh, between you and the cold wood floor if you haven't already. Um, and if you're the uh, person drawing or the illustrator, it is your job to take care of this uh, model. And if it's yourself, then do a bit of self-care for for the next uh, four and some odd min minutes. Um, so, Sharon, where would these uh, where would these uh, reference drawings come from? Would they come from magazines or or encyclopedias? Magazines, yeah. magazines, um, things that you would find that would it, randomly. Uh, I used to collect a lot of random photographs um cutouts from um magazines um then papers uh flyers pamphlets anything that struck me as something i would that drew me to it basically i would keep and i just have it like a huge stack of them did those we also had a library yeah. okay. we could use <laughs> yeah did all this stuff follow you to sweden do you still have it or no you, you no learned? no okay. it's okay. it's, it's long in gone. my no it's not long gone it's actually a home uh, oh, i have no. my i i have it with my in my parents home i know um, classic <laughs> 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 you have all your old art supplies in your parents Uh, yeah, house. I do. Oh yeah. no, Sharon. No, we've uh, we've all done it. We've all done it. My mother yeah, okay, uh, okay. my mother moved uh, right before she retired and she was okay. like absolutely not. Um so all <laughs> my stuff is gone. It's long gone. I moved I the little bit I saved I barely have anymore and she definitely has none of it. And uh okay. that's probably better for the whole world that none of that exists anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. All right. So uh, we can go over. We've got uh, so the the break is about two minutes uh, longer, guys. And then afterwards, uh, we're going to do uh, four or five minute poses. Uh, so they're a bit longer. And then we're going to do the last take another break and then do the last uh, two 10 minute poses or one 20 minute pose. Um, and just listen for the, the keys ringing. Um, that's your sign to uh, switch. So, uh, Sharon, while we still have you, can you uh, tell us about the Croquis Corner and uh, why you started it and, and what it is? Okay. Um, yeah. Um, Croquis Corner actually um, was meant to be a physical session in um, uh, Stockholm, where I live. Um We were, it was me, um, and I was trying to find a place, which I did, um, where I live, uh, which is north of Stockholm. And we were looking at starting sessions sometime mid-March, early April. But then things went 
out of hand, you know, yeah. the pandemic hit and uh, like a lot of others, um, things were just kept on hold. Yeah. Um, now, I also have something called PTSD and ADHD. And that kind of got to me um, rather, rather bad. I was triggered really badly because I couldn't do my croquis sessions. I couldn't um, paint um, figure drawings that I wanted to continue with my personal practice. And um, Croquis Corner eventually uh, evolved into an online session because I needed to do this for myself in many ways to just check in okay. thrice a week. Um, with people, without people, but it was me just coming there and drawing daily and creating something for the session. So Croquis Corner is basically more therapeutic to okay. me. Yeah. But it's also been, um, the beauty about it is because it, it is just an untutored class. You just come, it's not even a class, it's a place where you come Practice with me. Get inspired if you want to get inspired and create a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah, and um, yeah, just just forget about what's happening outside. Okay. Forget about your troubles and your anxieties. And I've met a lot of people who've come in uh, who've who've actually um, told me how it's been helpful to them because these people have had social anxieties. So reaching a physical session at times is difficult for people who have, um, you know, mental struggles. And this has been uh, a way where they could forget about having to physically go yeah. and they can sit with all their favorite art materials and keep the screen off and just create art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was it hard? I mean, I've just also entered this world uh, through this course that I've begun teaching. Was it hard to find um, the community? Where did you start to find your resources, like your models and and yeah, and the other? Initially, yes. Uh, it 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 was um, overwhelming and also pretty challenging because it was. Um, I didn't have a, a support, artistic support system, all right? Um, I come from India, so my support is back home in India. And in India, nude life drawing is not something we do. Okay. It's, it's, it would land us into trouble. It's taboo. or it... It's taboo, yeah, it's taboo. Huh. Um, so um, it was something that... Is it illegal or while... taboo? Is it like, can you... It's not, I wouldn't call it illegal, yeah. but um, you will face legal problems. So you'll have the, the police come and unnecessarily create problems for you. Okay. It's, India's going through uh, evolution, you know, so it's going to, it will happen one day. Okay. okay. But they need to figure it out. All right. Um, so, yeah, it was challenging in the beginning and I went on to um, a Facebook group. I Actually, I went on to Facebook to find there had to be other places to do this. And I couldn't find a place. And I found a group that had models. And I asked over there. Um, some lovely models reached out. And uh, yeah, things started from there, basically. It was, I started in August 
I would get one person a session. Okay. Um, but I was there. For me, it was I'm here. I'm going to practice. I'm going to. I'm doing this for myself to help my skill get better. And people started coming. Yeah. They came. A lot of them came to. They were. They would. It was more like curious. Okay. Um, and now we have regulars coming in. Um, our numbers are growing slowly. Um, models want to work with me. Um, I don't call them models. I call them artists oh, yes, because okay. yeah. we we collaborate and create something with each other. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, it sounds amazing. I mean, it sounds similar. You want to tell people uh, before we let you go where to find you? Um, is Instagram the best? Is that the best way? Insta yeah, Instagram or Facebook. Um, I find Instagram to be one of the best because that's where you have a lot of great, um, you know, artists over there. The artist community is just fabulous on Instagram. Very supportive, um, very inclusive, very sharing. Um, yeah. Right. So uh, you can find me on Crokey Corner. Yes. Um, on Instagram. And it's Crokey yeah. underscore Corner, correct? Yes. Okay, and it's a picture of. Um, let's see. What's okay? The so it's a it's you would see a brush. It's a triangle. So it's yeah. a brush mm -hmm. with a human um, figurine, you could say, yeah. and croquis corner written underneath. Okay. It's a black logo. A black. black yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Um, and uh, Sharon, uh, any last words for the for the listeners and the students? Well, not not students, but you were the tutor kind of today. Uh, before we let oh, them okay. go, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, last words would be: um, art is all about um, exploring and um, challenging yourself, and just keep doing that with figure drawing. Also, you don't need to follow rules yeah. you don't need to follow um you know structure that uh, a lot of um a lot do you know you don't need to just just make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing firstly yeah. um experiment with different mediums um you'll never know how wonderful it is and what you learn from it uh experiment with different mediums experiment with different poses, different settings. Um, go with abstract poses, um, poses, go with uh, things that shake you, yeah. you know? Yeah, and just make sure you have a lot of fun while doing this because that's that flows into your work. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Sharon, thank you so much. Uh, the Crokey Corner or the Crokey Corner, Crokey underscore it's Corner. Just croaky, cro yeah, just, yeah. just yeah. Crokey Corner. Uh, on um, on Instagram, Sharon. Thank you for joining us uh, on this episode. And uh, yeah, thanks. That's all we can really say. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Brandon. Thank yeah. you for today. No problem. Okay. So that was Sharon from Crokey Corner. Um, I gave out her information, so you guys can find her on Instagram. And um, and right now you are in the second of the five minute poses um, we moved the interviews to the front of the course because i felt i was rushing it a bit when they were at the end of the of the class kind of rushing people off the phone and i think people open up um, as they go on with the conversation they give more information they become a bit more comfortable 
and it felt a bit uh, weird to cut them off at that moment. So what we, what I decided to do instead was put them on first, and if they run through uh, more than a half hour of the show, then uh, so be it. So I hope that you guys are uh, home drawing, and I hope that you're listening. And if you're not, uh, that's also okay. Uh, it's nice to know that you guys are out there um, listening and participating in the class passively or um, actively. I can say for me so far, it's been a good exercise. And uh, I think one of the things I've learned uh, is that I like talking about art. Um, making it is one thing, but having to uh, use your vocabulary and expand and find words for or new ways to explore um, art in general and uh, specifically figure drawing uh, has been refreshing. Um, I can also say that we have more, um, many more um, interviews coming, uh, which I've already um, recorded with um, some other um, artists and models and facilitators of, uh, of classes, some of which have found their way to Zoom um, that never did it before, like uh, Sharon and others that have been doing it for a long time and were uh, forced to move their practice to Zoom. Um, Sharon brought up some really, really good points about the uh, limitations of these classes physically, that uh, doing them digitally offers. Um, for one, even by her being in uh, Stockholm, she mentioned that um, she's not directly in the city, so sometimes it takes her too long to travel to set event, and of course, uh, as an adult, other things come up uh, that you can't make it to the class despite your best effort. Uh, you stay late at work or you didn't get to the art supply store um, before work was done. Uh, the list goes on, right? So the nice thing about these is that you can uh, actively participate and, and be a part of them from afar. Uh, of course, I mean, that's if you have a model at home or if you don't mind drawing the room. There is something to uh, the community aspect of it and physically being around people. But of course, we all know right now we can't. So we do what we can with the resources that we have. Um, I can say for me, uh, when I started this two months ago, I thought it would be harder to find people to uh, be on the radio and talk about um, their affection for figure drawing and uh, the, the spectrum, um, as you will see uh, in the coming weeks when more and more guests are on, is, is vast. Some, uh, we had commercial professionals, we had artistic professionals, and we do also have um, some that just do it for um, sanity or f to, to combat uh, loneliness and to combat, uh, you know, um, the idle mind, which, uh, can also be a problem. So, uh, this, uh, next five minutes is the third of the five minute poses. Then we're going to do the fourth, of course. And then as you guys know, we take a break and I'm talking just to, uh, not have uh, too much dead air. Um, but you're welcome to turn me down. Um, and put me at the volume that you see fit uh, for your practice today. It's just an effort to uh, give you a little nudge and give you the opportunity to participate 
uh, or just listen to uh, me talk about figure drawing. Um, uh, I, so Sharon uh, brought up that she has a P PTSD and uh, one other thing, uh, which I can't recall right now, but it, it reminded me of a, uh, so before I did this uh, radio station, before I was given the opportunity to create uh, Epsilon radio station from scratch, I had a podcast and uh, not about this vast, but about uh, contemporary art uh, and contemporary art in Copenhagen specifically. Um, and uh, we did an episode about uh, uh, art's place in, in health, in mental health. And uh, the kind of surface level is, of course, you know, keeping the mind moving and keeping people active and challenging uh, people to think out of the box. But what we also covered um, on that episode, which was something that I had discovered while doing the research for that episode, was um, a trial um, which they were doing at the time in UK, which I hope they continue with. I haven't followed up with it, but essentially uh, what they figured out is that a lot of people um, maybe were suffering more from loneliness than they needed to, they were willing to admit or um, were mixed, misdiagnosed. Uh, and instead they were uh, going to the regular doctor. So they were going to their um, their physician and uh, saying they had a problem and it turned out that uh, it was more that they were just going because they needed some interaction um, and what they tried out was uh, giving out uh, there was two versions of it uh, in Canada what they figured out is they started giving people uh, free tickets to the museum so you could uh, if, if you suffer from loneliness, you were given um, free tickets to the, to the National Museum uh, or the local museum uh, for you and your part, a few and one other person. And I think it was uh, two tickets per month or bi bi-monthly. I don't remember exactly. And uh, in England, what they did was uh, they hired uh, experts in culture. And uh, so you were referred to this person who, who wasn't a doctor and wasn't a psychologist or any, any doctorate of any sort, or ne not necessarily academic, and uh, you talked with them. And if uh, they saw fit, they recommended activities for you to do uh, that were close to you in your community. Um, and it wasn't necessarily uh, we using croquis but we do croquis here, but it could have been a knitting class or a sculpture class or ceramics or wood making or whatever it was. So this person um, would recommend you to these other places and, um, and hopefully by doing so you created a community and uh, your necessity to go to uh, the, the licensed doctor became less. And what they found was uh, it saved them. Um, I think it was uh, if there were seven people, I, I forgot the exact numbers, but if there were seven people going to the doctor unnecessarily before, 
uh, that number went down to three, which actually um, helped the, um, what is it called in England? But it helped the National Service uh, Health Health Fund uh, and NCS and NHS. NHS is right. That's what it's called in England. So it helped NHS actually save a bit of money and uh, uh, focus the resources more on the people that had physical ailments and defer the people that had um, uh, just loneliness. Of course, if if they had uh, some type of um, actual depression, that was different than they were referred to a psychologist. Um, this was only for the individuals that were... Uh, yeah, just just a bit lonely uh, because of the weather or whatever. They just broke up in a relationship, whatever the case would be. Um, so those are those are ways that other communities have dealt with it. And uh, as Sharon mentioned, Croquis helps her deal with some of her uh, PTSD. And I think it's amazing. Um, I think it's great. Um, I'm always happy to hear that something that I'm very passionate about has a actual uh, physical outcome or a uh, validated, validated, uh, uh, per- validated purpose. Uh, too often, as uh, creatives and as artists, you hear that uh, we can take you or leave you, and uh, and um, not only you can that you're not economically viable for the community. Or the or the social or society, um, but uh, just in general, not necessary. And we know that not to be, we know that in general not to be true. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, fine art. There's also, as I mentioned a second ago, ceramics, um, lino cut, uh, yoga, like all these things. I mean, yoga is more exercise, but all these things that people become passionate about. And for some of us, it's it's uh, visual arts, and I'm just happy that uh, we're still able to do this for you guys and we do it um, in the simplest way possible by just doing talking about it on the radio and uh, giving you the option to uh, participate or listen to it as you see fit uh, meeting you where you are. So this is the last of the five poses. And uh, then we'll take a break and we'll go into the last uh, 20 minute pose. Again, I haven't, um, the libraries are still closed. Um, I'm reluctant to revisit some of the books I've already read for you guys, but maybe it's okay to do that. Um, If you guys wanna be in touch with me or anybody else at the radio, you're more than welcome to write to us, uh, radio at epsiloncph.dk. Immediately after this episode, we're continuing uh, with our Artist in Residency series. And this month is still Amelia Bergmark, uh, who studied at the Royal Danish Academy and graduated three years ago. She was meant to have an exhibition at uh, Siren Gallery, S-I-R-I-N, which is in the uh, city center. And like everything else, uh, it was canceled. Uh, or postponed until uh, further notice. Um, as I'm recording this right now, it, it's already happened. Uh, but there was a, a Meta uh, Fredrickson has given the new regulations. And uh, I, I'm pre-recording this, so I don't know. But I'm imagining that uh, if nothing else, uh, Epsilon probably will still be closed. So 
so therefore also Amelia will not be able to have her exhibition. Um, in light of that, in lieu of that, she's given us permission to play the recordings of her exhibition uh, on the radio station. And we hope that we have been doing her justice. Uh, we'll, I guess she'll give us some type of feedback or review when, when at the end of this month. And then I will uh, feverishly be searching for the next sound artist in residency um, to be on the radio. But if you if you know somebody or if you uh, heard of a sound artist or a visual artist that works a lot with sound as well, please be in touch. Um, so far, all of the people that have been on this show and basically all of our other programming has come from our personal network. I don't think we've reached out. We haven't reached too far. I don't think we've uh, overstretched for anybody. Um We've all just used our own network uh, to bring you guys content. So uh, our network is you included. So if you have an idea or a suggestion for me or, again, anybody else at the radio, uh, please be in touch. Um, so we're going to go into a break here in uh, nine seconds, uh, five seconds. And in this break, uh, as you guys know, and it bears repeating, uh, it is the time to uh, really uh, give some focus on the model uh, and make sure that there's nothing tight in their neck or uh, loose or tight in their hips or nothing's locking up. Uh, also, if you're if you're the drawer as well, sometimes you get a you you um, you save some tension in your neck. Um, and, and, and you guys know that from sleeping in the wrong direction, you get that when you sleep as well, uh, you hold your neck in a specific way and it just kind of locks up. So, um, right now for the, these five minutes, I know this isn't like, uh, I don't play any aerobic music or anything or any, uh, uh, EDM above 130, um, beats per minute BPM, but, uh, just take the second to, uh, stretch out uh move around flex the fingers uh circle the wrist uh back and forth um you know um reach your hands all the way up this and this is both of you guys for the this is for the model and the and the artist uh you know do a is it called a lion stretch that one is that the one that's called uh you know uh, turn put put one leg up uh put your opposite uh elbow uh, just on the thigh and 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 kind of uh, push against the knee and uh, not against the knee against the thigh I think you end up messing up your knee if you push against the knee but against your upper thigh close to your knee and uh, turn around and get that stretch in the lower back especially those of you that are leaning over to draw and for the model especially if you've been uh, sitting down um, also in this next pose uh, for the model I would suggest that you if you're not a professional dancer, or choreographer, ballet enthusiast, yoga instructor, uh, take these neck, this next pose, these next poses, um, serious and sit down, um, or lie down. Um, these are the hardest ones for, for you and for the artist as well. Um, so be, be conscious of that. And then in the next, uh, poses we take, Two, uh, the the next one is up to you. We take one long twenty minute pose, 
for two 10-minute uh, poses, and I will ring my keys in the middle um, so that you know when to switch or, uh, yeah, when to s that you have are halfway, um, either one. Um, I thought about... Um, I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping, uh, and you guys, as I said, probably know already by the time you hear this, I'm really hoping that the library is open. Uh, there are some artists um, that I know of, that I know about, but I don't want to talk about it on the radio until I have uh, a good reference uh, in front of me um, to really talk about. Uh, as you guys know, I hesitate with using the internet. Um, also, it's not the same teaching this class and and looking at the computer screen, especially internet-wise, I end up clicking around uh, to try and find certain things and scroll, and it's just a different experience. It's all in my head, obviously, um, but there's still something nice about flipping through a, the page of the book. I think the acoustics are nicer. Um, I also think it's a better experience because I don't. I'm not. I can only have this one book, and I have to deep dig into that book. Uh, rather than having the internet where then I end up with a bunch of tabs open in some uh, dark corner of YouTube um, listening to, I don't know, animal sounds and pigs and what was that? The big pigs in red boots or something, whatever that was. I never came across my stuff. I'm not uh, so much into, luckily, I don't know if luckily, but yeah, my YouTube feed is not uh, animals. Although yours, yours might be, and that's okay, too. Uh, anyway, guys, as always, I start to trail off towards the end. Um, so we got uh, 30 seconds left. Uh, for those uh, that missed the beginning of this class or are listening to the archive, this uh, class um, repeats on uh, Friday, every Wednesday and every Friday on the radio channel from uh, 1950, 750 until uh, 9 p.m. Uh, 21, which is in line with the same time we would have had it in the house if we were open. And uh, hopefully when we open again, we can record this live from the class. Um, and then there'll be definitely more interaction, right? Because there'll be people uh, that ho hopefully want to participate in the conversation. Um, The other thing that I've kind of, um, excuse me, the other thing that I've kind of uh, found out, which I kind of already could have guessed, is a lot of the people I'm talking to have found their community, how how far this community uh, reaches. And um, so now I had an episode with somebody in Stockholm. Last week, it was someone in uh, the UK. A couple of weeks ago, it was somebody in New York. The first episode was someone in North Carolina. Um... And the kind of theme has been that they would not have found out about this, uh, how how big the community was, had the um, uh, quarantine and pandemic not occurred. Um, they would have just been limited to their local croquis class and their local community. And I can say even for myself, uh, somebody that was in it uh, more when I was younger, I just thought it was limited to those people that um, w were in front of me every day. And I don't think any of us would have imagined uh, or could have foresaw uh, so many things moving online. 
specifically art. Um, so in the last, uh, what, how, how long has it been now? Six months? Six, a little over six months now. I'm going on, we're almost, oh my goodness, we're almost at a year. Uh, we have been forced to uh, process art and process interaction uh, in another in other ways, just based out of necessity. And I think as far as weird as this uh, this interaction that we have here on the radio sounds now, uh, it would have sounded even crazier and unnecessary uh, last February, for instance. I cannot believe it's been a year. I, wow. When you actually do the math, I cannot believe it's been a year. Maybe because it was there was like a break in the summer. Um, but still we've been on some type of version of this for a year. And, um, obviously the question is, what do we go back to? But that's not for this episode. And I think the point is that we're not talking about that right now. Not on, not on this show. Um, but that was only to say that these uh, artists and facilitators of croquis and life drawing courses have found new communities, um, online and then the question is the quality of the drawings. And based on the ones I've seen uh, on my Instagram feed, uh, the drawing is still good. Uh, Sharon has actually invited me to one of her sessions um, uh, to today or later today. And um, I'm really curious. Uh, I don't illustrate anymore. Um, I don't, uh, make art. I do obviously like talking about art and I like art theory now. Um, so it's going to be, I'm just going to be involved as a spectator, I guess for a little while. And I think what I'll do, um, if it allows, I will write down, uh, I'll kind of narrate in a written form of what's happening in the course and maybe read that the next uh, time we meet or not the next time because we have some interviews lined up but perhaps uh, to talk about the way the model um, used the room and used uh, her body and used the lighting the the the, the thing about about this interaction now is that because um, you're not the the facilitator and the model in the room you really put a lot on the actual model because the model is responsible for the lighting the model is responsible for the way the room looks the model is responsible for keeping themselves warm and cozy and and freezing and um what we learned from uh, maria uh who was the guest last week is she really appreciates um interacting with um with the artist um that are watching her on Zoom and participating in the class on Zoom. Um, which then leads to the question why we at Epsilon don't do this class over Zoom. And I think um, it's a great question to be raised. I just think um, the radio, I think I didn't want to give you guys another screen to sit in front of. Um, I don't know who you guys are. Um, but I imagine that you all are not, uh, some of you are not drawing. Some of you are, uh, just listening, uh, maybe doodling a bit. 
So I think the idea, there's a free mint, there's a free movement to listening to something on the radio. You can do it while you're cooking. You can do it while you're sitting in bed. You can do it in the living room. You can go in and out of the room. Whereas if it's a model on Zoom, unless you're really committed to drawing, as some of you might be and some of you may not be, uh, you can't passively do it on Zoom. You, there's no point in uh, in just having a model on the screen and then being a voyeur, um, in my opinion, but I, I mean, it's not a hard line opinion, so I could be wrong. I mean, again, this is all new to me and hopefully it's not new to you guys anymore because you've been doing it since we started the radio in December. Yeah. So we are, we've got, uh, a little over a little under 14 minutes to go in the class. I can also say, um, art-wise, that there's another show uh, called uh, that we produce called uh, Critique Klassen, uh, Critique Klassen, and uh, that uh, is on before this show. So again, if you found this show in the middle or at the beginning, you've you've already missed uh, Critique Klassen. And uh, Critique Klassen comes on uh, before this show at uh, 19 or 7 o'clock. And again, repeats on Friday. And Critique Klassen is a concept that myself and uh, uh, Theodore Newmark came up with. And Theodore is uh, someone who is uh, very ambitious, um, very uh, thoughtful and very uh, articulate when he speaks. And he is, I think, now in his second or third year, depends on how, how long I've known him, year at the Royal Academy undergrad, which is even more impressive. Um, and for those of you who don't know, um, when you are in a strict fine arts degree, so some of our guests have been in, I don't think, actually, I don't know that any of the guests we've had on this show have taken a strict fine arts degree. Um, I think Sharon took applied arts and also um, uh, Ann Marshall took, um, I think, illustration or the equivalent to illustration. And Yudif Yaws, uh, Yudif Yaws probably has the most, uh, cl the closest to fine art education. Uh, but fine art, especially in the this era, in our era, which is post uh post 1910, 1920, uh, modern art to contemporary art, uh, school is no longer about mastering a skill, um, as, as Judith, uh, Judith did and does, uh, fine art school is about, uh, figuring out, um, about communicating and articulating ideas. Um, so I know that's abstract, and that, that, but that's the art that we are, uh, that's the current state of contemporary art right now. So it's about communicating an idea. Um, so what you do a lot of times in uh, contemporary art or fine art education nowadays, you have a lot of uh, critique. And critique is basically you um, have a studio. Uh, some schools, they leave you in the studio for a year without touching you. Some it's every month. Um, some you're able to have associated classes. Um, 
so I know for instance at uh, Utica in Berlin your first year of undergrad you only have a studio and I think you have one meeting maybe two with your mentors and your educators if that I could be wrong but I think they really are hands-off you get this studio for one year you can create as you want and at the end of that one year um, you are critiqued on the work you produced in that year. Okay, so this is halfway through the last post. And um, where I guess if you think about what Anne Marshall told us, she was critiqued on her skill level of being able to uh, do a believable representation of the human form or the objects in the room. In a fine art degree, you're not, that is irrelevant. Um, you can make what you want. You cannot make what you want. Um, you can make as much of it as you want. You can make as little of it as you want. Um, there's really no rules. And the funny thing is, I think a lot of people think that's easy to do, but uh, all restrictions lifted, um, all uh, rules um, suspended, it is extremely hard to express your feelings, your emotions, and and manifest them in some type of end uh, product, whether that be a physical artwork, a painting, a, a sound piece, a website, a uh, a ready-made, which is something that is already produced. It, I I can tell you that it is extremely rough, especially um, at a early age, um, because I think they don't, uh, younger people don't get enough credit for how humble they can be um, about their opinions. And so what critique class is, is three young artists uh, doing a critique uh, and I, we, we powwow back and forth and it didn't make sense for you guys to listen to them critique each other's work as they would have done in class, but it did make sense for them to maybe discuss how they think, uh, some of the more popular contemporary artists, uh, to critique more popular contemporary artists. I think, um, there is a kind of sanctity of uh, museums and cultural houses that uh, everything that in there has already uh, gone through the gauntlet of critique and therefore uh, it is correct. And uh, what uh, Theodore and Christina and Adam do, they um, challenge that a bit without being too hard. Um, I think also sometimes you can... Uh, be extremely negative, and I think it's it's easy. It's extremely easy for uh, someone to say they don't like something. It's a bit easier to say um, I like it, and once you get beyond I don't like it, I do like it, and you have to explain yourself. That's where the real kind of art. I mean not to make a pun, uh, comes in. So if you want to listen to Critique Klassen, it is in Danish. Um, I thought it was better that they speak in Danish as they are native uh, Danes. 
Um, also, I thought it would reach uh, you guys as well. We may do an episode or two in English um, in in the coming future. But the first episode, uh, which is now archived, is uh, Olafur Eliasson, uh, who you guys know well, the light uh, architect. The uh, second episode is Alicia Quade. And uh, if you're listening to this live on the radio, you just missed it. But as I said, it will re-air on Friday. And uh, we finally got our archive together. So it will uh, be on the archive uh, shortly thereafter. Um, Alicia Quade is an interesting artist. Uh, she is well known here in Copenhagen, um, Louisiana. Uh, one of their more recent purchases where Alicia Quade works. And I believe, uh, I'm not good with the, the street names in uh, Copenhagen, so you have to forgive me, but I think it is the University of Science or the University of Medicine uh, that is uh, at the, the southern uh, part of the hospital uh, going from Norborough to Vestibro, and you'll see these big uh, kind of planets um, in their in their front, not courtyard, but in their entranceway. And those are Alicia Quade's uh, works. And I think they were purchased at the same time as Louisiana purchased their um, planets. They're not actually planets uh, from Alicia Quade. And Alicia Quade's work is uh, very uh, non-medium specific. Um, she deals a lot with material and what materials are and what they mean. Again, now we're getting into like contemporary art. And I know a lot of us, um, it, it scares a lot of people away. It turns a lot of people off. Um, it uh, There's an uneasiness about it and it, and it kind of draws a line in the sand. And believe me, I, I, I know both sides of it. Um, as somebody that's been around it for a while, uh, but it it it's worth again. It's it's if it's good to practice um, figuring out if you're gonna do art uh, for a while or go deeper into contemporary art. Um, it's good to put words on why you do or do not like something, um, and a lot of times there's a history or a dialogue that the artist is having with previous art that is not always mentioned um, when you just go see it in the museum, even though that's, in my opinion, kind of the purpose of the museum in order to meet uh, the the noobs or the novice. Um, the museums kind of uh, pull back a bit on uh, going through all the references and all of the the dialogue that the artwork that they are showing has with previous artwork, uh, except in cases where it's quite literal, uh, um, based on um, uh, race or sexuality or um, whatever the uh, uh, political um, aura is at the time. Those are easy connections to make. The harder ones are the abstract kind of um, aesthetic and uh, material uh, decisions um, or emotional ones. Uh, so we've got uh, three minutes to go. Um, I'll keep talking about what it's like to do a critique. I know, so I have another really good friend uh, who 
who I miss dearly, uh, who moved back to the States uh, to study at Yale. And uh, she decided to stay. And uh, she's in the master's program there. And for them, uh, they are given the same uh, year. Uh, I think it's a two-year program, the same year, with just given a studio, uh, do what you want. Their critiques are more frequent, and I th that's the reason she chose uh, Yale um, above the other schools. Um, and, it, and it's with your peers. So you have a peer review, which is called a critique. Uh, but I think also what she liked about it was you had the ability to take um, some of the social sciences and um, courses along with uh, your sculpture degree. So you took the social sciences, whether it was philosophy of blah, 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 or macroeconomics or... And, and these are very simple. This was a, um, this is Yale, so they were quite complicated. It was linguistics of, I don't know, um, whatever, like the most complicated. Think of somebody that wrote a, a doctorate and Yale has a class on it. So you took those classes, but with the Yale students that weren't art students. So they thought about things differently. They thought about them in a more uh, practical way. And I know from uh, conversations I've had with her, that she uh, really appreciated that. Um, so that was just to, I guess, you know, I start talking on this show and I try to talk just to keep the time going. Um, and I hope I give some valid information, but that was just to tell you, uh, give you guys a glimpse of what it's like to be in art school as an undergrad uh, in a fine art school, uh, just fine art. Um, not uh, illustration and not in graphic design and not in advertising and not in fashion, which are all applied arts, right? But just fine art, like um, trying to learn about society. That's what it's like uh, for my friend at Yale who graduated, congratulations, and Theodore who is still at the Royal Danish Academy. So with that, we have 15 seconds to go. I'm gonna thank you. Uh, please stay tuned for Amelia's um, show directly after uh, and check out all of our things in our archive on Spotify, hopefully iTunes coming soon and any place else you listen to podcasts. Thank you.